Thank you for listening to Abide Church. At Abide, you belong before you believe. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Gio Munoz. I want to have Leah come up. She's going to share a word that the Lord gave her, and then we're going to get into, into the word for today that I have. Oh, it's burning inside of me. So here, I want you to share. Yes. This is Leah. She's amazing. <laughs> um. I might not be the most eloquent with words. Is that okay? Okay, good. Um, I don't know if you guys have had this experience where God tells you something for you and then says, this isn't just for you. So that's kind of what just happened to me. But um, earlier this week, a friend of mine had a dream that they had a plate with small portions. And in this dream, the Lord was telling them, I want you to ask for more from me. I want to give you larger portions. And so I was praying about that this morning in worship when we were all closing our eyes and asking God for more. And um, I started praying for just kind of this experience from the Lord. I wanted to feel something specific from him, kind of a spiritual pizza maybe. And um, he spoke to me and said, that's not what I'm serving today. And um, I feel like it's kind of like when your, your parents say, eat this, eat this. And you're like, I don't like that. And they say, well, you've never tried it. And that's kind of what God was speaking to me this morning. And I saw this like pile of spinach on my spiritual plate. And I was like, I'm not going to like this. And God said, I know what you like and I know what's good for you. And I feel the Lord is saying this morning to me, but maybe not just to me, that we put him in a box of asking for something specific. And he's asking us, will you taste what I'm serving you this morning? Yes. And um, as an example that was coming to my mind, for me, I was, I was seeking this experience and a feeling that felt good. And God said, you had need for endurance. Mm-hmm. And that was, is what he was serving me this morning. And maybe it's different for different people in the room. Maybe you're seeking joy and he wants to release you to grieve. Maybe you're experiencing grief and he wants to give you joy. Uh, whatever it is, I just, if that's speaking to you this morning, ask God, what are you serving this morning? I believe that's his word for us. Yeah, come on. Hold on a second. Hold on. Hey. Hey, let's yield. Let's yield our hearts to that word. Let's, let's receive that. I'm going to have her pray over you today. But just position your heart right now to receive whatever he's serving. Pizza, spinach, potatoes, chips. <laughs> I'm a little hungry. No, 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 seriously. Let's let's receive that today. Come on. God, thank you so much for speaking to me, for speaking to us this morning. Father, forgive us for putting you in a box and saying, this is the only thing I'll eat from you. God, we trust you that if you are serving it, if it is from you, we open our hands to say, it's good. We will taste and see that the Lord is good this morning. And so, God, we position ourselves before you and say, Father, I'm willing. I'm willing for what you want to give me because you know what's best for me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on. So good. Aren't you thankful you go to a church that it's not only one voice? How boring would that be if it was just one person delivering? But the body is made up of lots of different people. And different people have different voices, and every voice matters. Amen? Hey, I'm going to ask the ushers to come up, and we're going to pray. I have this thing burning in my heart today, man, where I'm just, what she said was so on point. I'm so tired of putting God in a box. God is not limited by finances. 
he's not limited to, to the extravagance or, or, or the, the stinginess of people. He is God. And there's so many dreams in our heart as a church. I just want to tell you, we, there's a dream in my heart for this church to have a men's home. And we will, ha- I will, we will have a men's home. And we will, in the name of Jesus, disciple men out of prison. The prison system will give us men and we will disciple them for months. And they will come out of darkness into light because they're going to meet Jesus. And this is coming out of this church. So I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you that you're giving to something bigger than this. This is such a small portion. This Sunday morning is such a small portion of what God wants to do. And so thank you for partnering with us to reach the least of these, whether it's on downtown or those that are in jail wondering, am I ever going to make it out? The answer to that is yes. We're not going to pray for solutions. We're going to be solutions. So, Lord, I ask that you bless every single offering and tithe given today. God, I thank you that you can stretch that 10% further than we could ever imagine today. God, give us bigger vision. I want to dream dreams that scare me. That's what I want. I want to, I want to live in a place, God, where I believe everything you put into my heart. So, God, help us to partner with that today. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said amen. Amen. Do you believe with me that we're going to have that? Three. I only need three. That's good. Actually, I only need me and Steve. That's enough faith. How many of you watched The Send yesterday? I was so moved to see, you know, 60 to 70,000 people gather to lift up the name of Jesus. But not just to come together and worship just to, to, to have this experience, right? But it was a call to action. And what they said is we are starting a war on inaction. We're starting a war on complacency, on apathy. Because they believe the same, I believe that this is not a time, listen to me, this is not a time to be passive in your faith. It's not. Many of us, we come on a Sunday morning and we get touched. The same way I was touched 10 years ago. A drug addict kid who walked into a church and the Holy Spirit wrecked me before I even knew what that meant. Where I had this hard heart and I didn't know how to feel and now I'm crying like a little, like a little kid on the floor and I don't know why. Because it's what the Lord wants to do. As a church, we're, we are not called to teach people to cope with sin. We are called to teach you to die to it. To die to it. And to realize that there is, this, there is this realm of living. If God said, be holy as I am holy, it means that it is available. This isn't condemnation. This isn't a guilt trip. This isn't saying you're not good enough. I'm just saying there is more available for you. That you don't have to live in this mundane Christian life where we go through cycles and circles and all kinds of things. But that there's this, there's this place in kingdom where you could have everything that your heart desires. Where the glory of God will follow you and it will transform you and it will change you. I watched yesterday as different men stood up on the stage and it wasn't about the man. But it just shows you what God can do with a yielded life. That's all I saw. What can God do with a person who refuses to say no? I watched a man walk up on the stage literally. 
and praying said, God, let your rain fall. And he was talking about spiritual rain. The same way we were talking about being sacrifices. Listen, if you're new, we're not talking about sacrificing people here. (laughs) We're talking about us laying down our lives and surrendering, yielding to the presence of God. And so the person's praying and saying, Lord, we pray for rain. And literally it started raining in the arena. It was so, it freaked, it freaked him out so much, he started laughing. Another man stands up on the stage and he goes, listen, we called for repentance and many of you responded. Today the Lord wants to fully restore you as he did as you were in the Garden of Eden. And he says, if there's people here today that are suffering with cut marks or tracks, we're going to pray and the Lord's going to restore you. And I was like, whoa, that's bold. I've been around heroin addicts, all kinds of stuff. Some of my best friends are drug addicts and come out of that. They still have their tracks. And I watched, I watched them pray. And he said, if that's you and you would hear the people yell, ah, in the crowd, 70,000, ah, there's no reason for them to fake this. Literally, as cut marks and tracks would disappear. Now, it's not about the cut marks and the tracks disappearing. It's about a God who is so intentional. A God who is so real that he's willing to meet that person right where they're at. Can I share with you last night? I was sitting on my couch and I had written Matthew 25 in my Bible about the, the, the foolish versions. And I wanted to share how they have oil. And I was debating. I was debating on whether to talk about that today or not. Nine o'clock at night, I'm sitting on my recliner and I'm watching the stream and I'm, I'm seeking the Lord. Lord, what do you want to say to your people? And again, the context of the scriptures with oil. And everything stops in the stream. And there's this moment where worship is happening and Bethel is leading worship. And they're about to transition and Stephanie walks up to the stage. And she literally started singing, give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. And I was like, I was sitting in my recliner and Destiny was there, I was just laughing. I started laughing. I'm talking to Covington this morning and he says, how amazing is that that Jesus would, in the midst of 70,000 people, stop everything he's doing to speak to you. On my recliner, in my couch, in my living room, in Lithia. 20 seconds of a song and then she stopped like nothing ever happened. Oh, that's it. It's because the Lord is longing to connect with his people in a deeper way. Where they move past guilt, shame, condemnation, where they lay down things. Where they're not shamed to try to be a better person, but they realize the only way to be a better person is to be connected to the person, which is Jesus. And I believe in this day, in this hour, passivity has to die. That we're not going to live this bench warmer faith, but that the Lord is calling us to hunger and to, and to crave and to desire and to thirst for something more. That there would be a desperate plea. So I want to read to you some scripture today that the Lord put on my heart. I want to open to Romans 12. This is Paul talking. And he begins with the word therefore. It's as if he's transitioning and this, this scripture is a hinge. He had been talking in Romans 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 about dying to sin, the power of sin being broken, you being made a new creation through Christ. 
how the death of Christ was a death to you and you are now baptized and raised to life in him. This is what he's talking about, this new life of freedom that is available to us. And then in verse 12, he says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of his mercy. What was that mercy? The mercy was that we no longer had to live in bondage to sin. That we were now free. That means, sir, you no longer have to live under pornography. No longer, ma'am, do you have to live comparing yourself. No longer do you have to live under fear, doubt, condemnation. It's broken. In view of his mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Say, say, living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing unto God. For this is your true. Say, it's my true. This is your true and proper worship. Then he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then you will be able to test and to approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So what is Paul telling us? In this life, even after I had said yes to Jesus, understand he had already gone through that. You say yes to Jesus, you die to sin, you're made a new creation. And then he goes in verse 12 and he says, but now in view of that, what should be your response? <laughs> that, that us seeing Jesus and what he did on a cross, it beckons from us a response. And it would be, God, I give you my life. I surrender my mind, my will, and emotions, and I, I refuse to conform to the pattern of the world. The word world there is not the literal physical world. It is a worldview. It means the way the world thinks, the world system, the way they value things. You understand when you come into church and you give your life to Jesus, your values change. Kingdom values produces kingdom culture. Meaning, when I say yes to Jesus, the things I desire change. I no longer wake up in the morning and say, man, I would really want drugs today. That's the kind of thing that the, the world is trying to sell, and even the church. You're always going to have that desire. No, I died to that. It is no longer my desire. He is my desire. And I give myself, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by allowing God to change the way that you think. But it all starts with you giving yourself as a living sacrifice. It all starts by you saying, God, it starts with desperation. Oh my gosh. With you having something on the inside of you that says, I was born for more than this. I don't, I am not interested in doing church as normal. I'm not, I'm not. I will sacrifice. Listen, we've had people say, if you do church this way, if you do church that way, then maybe you'll go from hundreds to thousands. But I can't sacrifice the truth of the gospel for the multitudes because I believe that as we lift up the name of Jesus and as we give ourselves and we fully burn with passion for him, people will say, I want that. That we will not be people who just seek mountaintop experiences, man. Mountaintop experiences, they're beautiful. It's a great view, and it's very inspirational, but fruit grows in the valley. It grows in those times where the Lord starts to change you. And he says, I was telling Stephen today, I had this dream where we were all gathered, and there was all kinds of people. It just wasn't this church, and there was a huge fire. And I saw people just throwing things into the fire. It was joyful. 
And it meant all kinds of different things, man. It meant jobs. It meant insecurities. It meant doubt. It meant fear. And as we were throwing it in, the Lord burnt it, and it was an offering unto him. And I just hear the Lord saying time and time again, do not let the fire burn out. In Leviticus, you read that the job of the priests, understand, according to, to in Peter, 1 Peter, it says, you have been called the kingdom of priests. A royal priesthood, a holy nation separated unto God. And the commandment to them was, you will never let this fire burn out. There was always a fire that was burning that would consume. It was always ready to consume. And I would say to you today that the fire of God, that God wants to touch people in such a way that you are never the same again. Don't you want that? I long for a day where sickness, I'm telling you, I believe we're moving into a day as the ecclesia, the church, where sickness bows to Jesus the way it's supposed to. Where people rise up as, as entrepreneurs. Kara, Jesse, Jesse, and Kara, Jesse and Kara Berkey champion this. They're believing that entrepreneurs in, in the church should rise up and lead in every avenue of business. Because the Bible says you have been given the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is better than Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. And so what would it look like for people to start dreaming with God and say, I lay every single day, I lay my life down as a living sacrifice. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I'm saying it has to look like something. There has to be a desperation that happened on the inside of you. I was reading my Bible this week. In John 5, there's this story, and I want to read it to you. It said, afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem. Inside the city, there was a sheer, uh, the sheep gate, and there was a porch. This is the pool of Bethesda. And one man was lying there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus knew, when Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time. And he asked him, what would you like, would you like to get well? And the man responded to Jesus, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else says, someone else always gets there ahead of me. And Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And there's this story that happens. And the context is that there was this place that was called the Pool of Bethesda. And every once in a while, the angel of the Lord would come and he would stir the waters. And when the waters would stir, there was five porches and they had shade. And sick people would be all around this. And the first person who would get into the pool would be healed instantly. And so Jesus walks up to this man. And the scripture, the way it's translated, says, would you like to get well? But, but the real translation and more proper translation would be, do you want what I have for you? Here is a man who had been laid in bed sick for 38 years. Of course he wants to be better. Of course he wants to be well. But the question was, are you willing to get rid of this to step into that? How do you know the heart of the man was, I can't. The first thing he spoke about was his inability for 38 years to do what Jesus was asking him to do. But Jesus was asking him the same thing he's asking us today. Are you willing to get rid of this to step into that? Are you willing to be desperate? 
Are you willing to lay down? So what was the action? Jesus says, stand up, take up your mat and walk, which in this, in this world was an impossibility. And I wonder how many of you are facing impossibilities today. I just spoke to you about a men's home and in, in the natural, that's a, that is an impossibility. The staff, the money, all the things, but in the spirit, I feel like it's already done. And the same way Jesus walked up to that lame man who had taken his identity was, was rooted in his sickness. His identity was rooted in his lack. Jesus walks up to him and says, do you want what I have for you? And even though the man responds in unbelief because it really, the man responds in unbelief, Jesus still touches him. There's another story in Luke about Jesus walking through a crowd. And they hear the commotion and there's this blind man there. Are you alive? There's a blind man there and there's all this stuff. Everywhere Jesus went, he was surrounded by people. The man goes, what's going on? People begin to say, Jesus is walking. Jesus the Messiah is walking by. And all of a sudden, something from inside of this man erupts. And according to the word, he screams out, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. There's this desperation, this hunger to get to this man he can't see. And the possibilities of him reaching that person are very low. But something on the inside of him says, I have to get to him. And so the people around him begin to say, hey, be quiet. Shh. You're being undignified, but son. Because listen, religion and people will always try to shut you down when you're going after Jesus this way. There will always be people who try to silence you to say, it doesn't take all that. You don't have to sacrifice all that. I don't want to give up this comfort. I don't want to do that. But I believe God is looking for some people that would go beyond the hate and beyond the haters and would say, Jesus, again, Jesus, oh, son of David, have mercy on me. And the desperation of this man that day, according to Jesus, said, your faith has made you whole. What was his faith? The ability to cry out when he did not know what to say. When he had no idea what to do, all he did was cry out, Jesus. And according to the Bible, it's enough because the Bible says those who call upon the name of the Lord not might be saved. It would be something if it said might be saved. But it says, those who call upon the name Jesus shall be saved. I refuse, I refuse any longer to be passive in my faith. And I'm not saying, you know our church, you belong, you believe, you become. And you belong before you believe. But I'm saying for some of you, it's time to step from belonging to believing. For you to understand that God has more for you, that it's time to level up. <laughs> it's time to step in and have the kind of desperation found in Luke 8. To stop identifying with a man on a mat who's been laying there for 30 years. Listen, I don't care how long your dysfunction has lasted. I'm sorry, but, but it's a new day. Jesus is saying to you today, stand up, take up your mat, and go. Because with God, all things are possible. 
I said, with God, all things are possible. Even right now, I feel this tension. But so many people say, well, I don't know if I'm called. Can I, can I just share something with you? Can I just be honest? I don't remember ever being called. I know some people were like, June 17th, 1979. <laughs> the Lord came, beep. I don't remember it. I just remember coming in after years of drug addiction. After looking myself in the mirror and seeing a piece of garbage. So full of anger and so full of hate and so full of bondage and sexual immorality. I was so full of so much stuff. And yet he still came. <laughs> and so when he touched me, I just made a decision. So many people waiting to be called. You, you want to be called? Read the Gospels where Jesus looks out and says, the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few. What more call, what more call than that do you need? I was never called. I just said yes. And I believe God is calling up a people. If you're in this church, I believe it's you. That everywhere you would go, that you would shine bright. That you would joyfully sacrifice the things of the world that the world says are stupid. It doesn't make sense. Why would you do that? Does it really take that? I don't want to understand. They don't have to understand. What we need to do... I feel the Lord. It's like this sobering moment. You know, I had a dream. Oh, are we, we're not streaming, are we? I had a dream. And um, some of you guys have met my brother. And um, I've been praying for him. You know, my brother has struggled with addiction for a long time. I was in the, the first time my brother ever, ever, ever smoked anything was in a car with me. I was in a car and he was there and I was like, well, my mentality was if he does it, then he won't tell. And I've watched him for years and years struggle with addiction time and time again. And he would go to church and, he, and, and he, God would give him visions. God gave him a vision of standing on a stage and all of his friends being saved and burning in a good way on fire. And I see my brother and I just know the call of God on his life, but I also know that there's a world that's trying to suck him in. The same way you're surrounded by people. And I had this dream, I've had it twice, where I, I'm in the dream and there's all these cars, I'm on a highway. And there's this loud noise. And when the noise happens, I know, I knew. I'm like, oh, no. It was a trumpet. And the first thing that came to my mind was Kenny. And, and I watched, and I watched the panic in him. And I saw, I wasn't in it, but I saw it as he looked up. And there was all these people going. And he was crying out, but, but they, 
they, he, they couldn't hear him. And I know we don't like to talk about this. We talk about the love of God a lot, but this is the reality. And I would be so passive in my faith and I would be so worried about hurting people's feelings that I would be okay with people just not making it to heaven. Oh, the bad thing about this whole thing is not, it's not the hell part, it's that they won't be with him. It's not fear of hell. It's just fear that my brother would spend the rest of his life apart from him. And so what do we do? I, I call him and I say, we're going. I couldn't understand why I wasn't going to the send or whatever. And tonight I'm going after church today. And I'm going to pick him up and I'm going to take him. And he doesn't have an option. My back hurts. I don't care. It's going to be healed tonight. Well, I'm angry with God. Okay, God can handle it. I don't know how to feel. That's okay. God can handle your emotions. And I just feel this sobering thing where there's so many people who have so many family members and friends who, who they're struggling. And the solution is not just to pray harder. The solution is that you would become a living sacrifice. And that's something inside of you. You know, my brother doesn't want it. My brother doesn't come here. My mom has come like six times. He hasn't come because he knows in this environment, he can't hide his crap. As he looks around and he watches people burn, being passionate for Jesus and surrendering the way you guys were doing today, something inside of him says, I, I got to change. <laughs> and so you run. And that's the product of living your life as a living sacrifice. I know my brother is going to be used by the Lord. The same way we contend for Albert. I don't care what he says. I don't care what he goes through. The same way for Jimmy. And all of those who are around, who the world would want to categorize, but we say we stand in the gap and we give our lives. And we burn at full capacity. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what people think. Because if you live for the applause of man, you'll die with the applause of man. Would you stand up? Oh. Would you just would you just close your eyes for just a moment? we just come to you right now and we just surrender again and again and God I ask that right now you would just speak to hearts today whatever it is whatever it is you're asking us to give up or to surrender whatever it is you're asking up Whatever it is, God, you're asking us to do to burn in the way that people would see. That we would realize, God, that it's not a time for passivity. 
but it's a time for us to step in. You know, the only thing, the only thing I want to do today is for us to practically offer our lives up. I don't know what that looks like for you, but I do know that it means you doing something. The only thing that was required, even in the Old Testament, for a sacrifice to be performed was the actual sacrifice, an altar, and fire. So I want to say to you today, the same way we believe the altar is a place, I believe if you were to present yourself that the Lord would touch you today. I don't believe today that any man needs to lay hand on you. What I believe today needs to happen is the same way 10 years ago I said yes, that you would just say yes to going on this crazy journey with him. So they're going to sing a song and I want to invite you to present your to present yourself. I'm not saying you have to shake, roll and do cartwheels. What I'm saying is that your heart would say yes to him. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead the way and I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to present myself to him as the leader of this church. That we would never be a church where the altars are open. We will never be a church where the altars are open and there's not a sacrifice that's presented because I'm always going to be there. Every single time, I'm not afraid to surrender more. Because there's a world that needs. And so today, God, we present ourselves to you, Lord. And for the next few moments, God, we just pour out. Oh, Lord, we just pour out our lives as an offering. Whatever it costs, whatever it looks like, God, we will help us to live out Romans 12. God, I thank you that fire always falls on sacrifice. Every single time.